I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey, this is Justin Razvani and you're listening to Rebel Radio. I love you, man, but fuck you, Josh. <laughs> What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Tina Butterwolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh-huh. Rebel Radio is going down. What did you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. Yo, what's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio. I'm your host, Josh Levine. My guest today is my man, Justin Resvani. He's the CEO and founder of The Amplify, which is a influencer marketing agency helping large brands connect with social influencers. He was recently named to Forbes Magazine's 30 Under 30 after selling his first company. And he's a, definitely a dude on the rise with some good lessons to teach us. He's going to tell us kind of what he learned growing up as the son of an entrepreneur, uh, sort of how he's built his business through the power of focus. And he's going to explain why bots are the future. So if you're trying to stay up on what's happening with technology, you're definitely going to want to hear this one. Lastly, he'll tell us how we learned to be a little bit nicer. All that and more on Rebel Radio after our EDM.com track of the week.
Yo, that was Noah North with Boy from the Five, our EDM.com track of the week. I hope you liked it. Go to soundcloud.com slash hip dash hop for more music just like it. And right now, let's hear from Justin Resvani. So, dude, I'm excited to do this. Um, you know, we met kind of, I think, right after you had launched your company. Yeah. And just watching you, your your journey and, uh, and how it's taken off and just... You know, hearing bits and pieces along the way of how you've made it happen. Like, I'm, I've been fascinated with your story. So, you know, this is exciting for me because, like, you know, we meet and talk about stuff, but, but we never, like, dig into all the details. Sure. Um, and I know there's so much that goes into building, you know, building the company the way you want to build it. So thanks for doing this. My pleasure. I'm buddy. excited to, uh, to grill you on all the hard questions. <laughs> um, and so I want to talk a little bit about, you know, the Amplify when, when people, um, you know, when I've brought it up to people, I kind of say it's an influencer marketing agency. I know it's more than that. And so maybe give us, you know, the, the quick rundown of what you do and, and what's the company about. I think our biggest focus is to help brands work with influencers, people that have a lot of followers on social media mm -hmm. more seamlessly. Okay. Um, and, our, and our main focus was to build tools uh, or technology, as people like to call it, to help do that better. Okay. Um, so we find that there's five problems within the space, right? How do you know you're working with the right person as a brand? Mm. How do you easily communicate with that individual to create content for you? How do they distribute that content in an easy way and not sending text messages or phone calls or making it frustrating? Sure. How do you measure that content in real time? And then how do you actually see and scale that impact beyond the traditional um, audience that you might have with that influencer. So if something's doing well, how do you boost that? How do you see everything beyond vanity metrics? And then our newest thing that we actually are going to talk about today a little bit later is bots, right? So uh -huh. how do you take the persona of this individual influencer and digitize that with AI to communicate with an audience consistently without a person ever getting involved? And that's crazy. The, it's, it's crazy, but it's kind of what's happening right now. That's some crazy shit, and, and I know it's going to... Uh, <laughs> I know it's going to be wild in the future as, as that starts to roll out. So I want, I want to talk about all of that. But so now that we have what you do, let's kind of take a step back and, and figure out how we got here. Um, so were you, always, uh, were you always into technology? Did you know that you were going to kind of get into this kind of business from day one? Were you like the kid, you know, always coding and all that or what? Where'd that come from? I mean, I, I let's talk about like maybe entrepreneurship first. I think I came from an entrepreneur-driven family. My okay. dad owned his own business my whole life. So the concept of never seeing my dad in the morning and seeing him arrive at 8 p.m. every night was something I was very used to. Yeah. And then coming home and then doing his QuickBooks or doing his filings was something that I grew up understanding that that's just how it works. Yeah. Um, so that was, I think, the first level of understanding, like, I probably need to own my own business because that's the only way that I knew how my father did it growing up. At what, at what age would you say you were conscious of that? Because I know it was a little... Nine years old. Really? And I think the, the reason I knew I was conscious of it was around nine and ten years old, I would help my dad uh -huh. do QuickBooks. Oh, no way. At the house. Yeah. So he, um, he ran a metal manufacturing business. And he actually had um, actual invoices that were still on paper, right? So we're talking about 
like the late 90s. Yeah. And QuickBooks was just coming around, and he had a, a huge computer in the house where he had to input these paper things into a computer to digitize it, mm-hmm. and I'd be helping him do that. Um, so that was my first instance of understanding and kind of helping him and being aware that this was something that he was doing, but he was doing it more for the family to be a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. And I went to private school, um, okay. so there was that lens of knowing that you know, I wasn't going to public school. This school costs a little bit more money than the traditional school. Mm-hmm. My parents probably had to work a little bit harder to put me in that school. Sure. And that's kind of how, how I saw it, and I, and I saw it every day. So were you, um, so starting nine, like, were you thinking about, I know some people start businesses really early and all that. Were you doing that, or were you, like, into music and skating and just all the shit that kids are into? So when I was... I know you're also a DJ. <laughs> or, you, or you were. We, I want to talk about that a little oh, bit, too. Oh, man, so, that's great days. Because I want to know where that came from, too. So, but, like, what, what, was, what were you into as a kid? I think as a kid, I was, uh, I mean, I was active in sports, so I played water polo from, like, sixth and seventh grade all the way through high school all the way through the end so I was pretty active mm-hmm. um, but I think the first time I, I really wanted to be an entrepreneur was when I was 13 so we had this thing um, in my neighborhood so I lived in a gated community kind of growing up and there was these curbs that used to be painted with numbers on the mm-hmm. side and we were living in kind of an older community yeah so the numbers on the curb were getting faded yeah so I found this thing online that I could get printed out and basically it was this letter saying hey you know, you should have all your numbers painted on your curb in case of an emergency situation, right? Yeah. So, because th- there wasn't really Google Maps back then, and if emergency services need to find your house, how are they going to find your house? Right. So I would go around and put these in mailboxes, and then that was my first business. Was I was painting numbers on curbs? And I was 13 years old, so I did that for a summer, but I was making some good money. I was I like, always I was just like, assumed the city did that. Yeah, no, they don't, and not in a gated community because yeah. it's all private. And yeah, then yeah, also yeah. trash cans, right? So trash cans needed to have numbers on them. Right. I lived in a really, really windy area, Porter Ranch. Mm-hmm. Trash cans would get moved around. You don't know which one was yours. That's crazy. That was the first instance of being an entrepreneur, and I made a couple hundred dollars my first summer, and I was like 13. I was like, so basically, this is the kind of learning of how I want to do this probably mm-hmm. for the rest of my life. Nice. So, so uh, Again, like, let's talk about the DJ side for a minute. So were you into music then as a kid, too? I, I was very much into music. I was, what, what a, I, was into? A, I was a Napster kind of, like, just downloading everything possible, adding it into the soundtrack. I had this the huge CD uh, CD cases that I used to have in my car. I had, I had subwoofers in my yeah, first those car. those fucking Case Logic. <laughs> those Case Logic massive... Uh, That's massive. So here's, here's a, when I argue with people, you know, because, like, there's a lot of people my age who are convinced that, like, technology is ruining everything, which I think to some extent that's true. Yeah. But, like, you know, this whole thing of, like, oh, now nobody can drive because they're texting. Yes. But, like, we were, like, fumbling with those fucking case logic trying to find a di- you, you know, you had, like, it's 60. It's way worse. You had, like, 60 CDs, and you had to pop out a changer that came out of the <laughs> yes. de- Like, who's, like, the idea that they're just, like, yeah, people can do this while they're driving. Is way worse and than then, actually trying then to pick a song. Then you had the uh, uh, the Thomas Guide, yeah, for your map, right? So now you're you're reading this 300 page book, like it's never. People have always sucked at driving. Yeah, it's always been a bad thing. Now it's just it's getting reported a little bit more. Okay, I'm off on a tangent. <laughs> the DJ thing for me, I love always loved music, but it actually came around after I graduated college. So, so wait, what was the music like? You're downloading like, do you remember? The first record that you actually bought? Um, I do. It was, um, what was Fred Durst's band? Yeah, Limp Bizkit. Limp Bizkit. It was a Limp Bizkit album. My oh, mom freaked out on me because I bought it. But I think it was um, 
hot dog, the hot dog flavored water one. Uh-huh. What was that? What was that yeah, called? Yeah, Chocolate Starfish. Chocolate Starfish and the hot dog flavored water. It was the first <laughs> album I bought. It was okay. a CD, and I bought it from Best Buy. Uh-huh. And I was listening to my room, and my mom came in and freaked out, took the CD out, went back to Best Buy, and yelled at them for selling it. No way. And that was the first album that I, that I ever had back in the day. And was that, like, the style? Were you into that? I was into that kind of stuff. I was into yeah. kind of just rock. Um, this was, you know, I, I wasn't really into the music that I'm into now, back then because i don't think it was really around like there was tiesto at, at mm-hmm. the his mm-hmm. old school trance stuff and armin sure. but nothing really kind of the the new age uh you know deep house that i'm listening to now and playing now specifically okay nice so the dj thing is interesting um it really didn't come about like really seriously for me until i graduated college so i mean i was playing i was listening to music and it came out of a result of you know i was living with people my whole life like either my parents or i had roommates or mm-hmm. i lived in my fraternity house with 23 people yeah and then i moved out on my own when i graduated and i was like i need to find something to do that i can just be by myself right yeah. i wasn't into reading yet so i bought an allen and heath db40 mixer mm-hmm. and i would just say i'm gonna master this thing i'm gonna master how songs get mixed and then from there i progressed to the cdj 2000s and i just I did that every weekend at my house, and it was my little getaway to get with myself and just be a little bit more aware. Mm. That's how I started playing, yeah. and then from there it just turned into a little thing that I, you know, started doing more gigs. Start moved to West Hollywood, started playing at clubs in West Hollywood. And then, what was the first party you played? First party I played was. Um, do you remember the Central in Santa Monica? Yeah, yeah. Of 14th in yeah. Santa Monica, really old. Mm-hmm. Like grimy, grungy place. I played a Gotta Dance Dirty party on a Thursday night. Okay. And that was the first kind of party that I played that was like, a, they used to call it Versus Night. Mm. And it's funny, I don't know if you ever went to Versus, but mm-hmm. like they had everyone go through there. Skrillex played there. Um, you know, Dylan Dylan Francis played there. Some of the biggest guys like that now, but this was back in the day where they weren't really nice. that big. They just come on a Thursday night and play out there. So that's cool. That was the first party that I played in LA that was pretty fun. And, and was there, um, how'd you feel afterwards? Amazing. Come on. DJing is like, it is the most enthralling experience ever. You're like, I want to do this full time. It's, yeah. it's one of the most incredible experiences to be able to play songs that people are enjoying in front of you and seeing their faces and connecting with them. I think music is one of the connecting parallels of everything we have in our universe. So was there ever a thought that that would be the career? I, I think at one point, yeah. I think at one point was like, well, I can do this. I, I bought the whole setup, right? I mean, I was like produce, trying to produce songs. Mm-hmm. But then I just realized like, you know, this is, um, I could do this full time, but it just wasn't the thing that I, and I went kind of went for. Yeah. Tech ended up being the thing. So was that like, how, how'd that happen? Like, was there something that was calling at you? Yeah, definitely. So mobile mobile marketing was something I always had as my, specific goal right so in college that's what my emphasis was i want to know everything about mobile i want to know Mm. everything about this phone and how this Mm -hmm. phone gets to someone's hand i kicked off my career at disney um, as a mobile marketing intern for the entire mobile division so when i started there disney didn't have different mobile divisions they had Mm. one mobile team it was a team of like seven that ran all of mobile for disney yeah and that's where i kind of learned my focus then i went to mobile advertising at graystripe and I realized, like, hey, this is something really interesting. Like, this phone is really the only way to reach a consumer. And a bunch of my friends were influencers in L.A., right? So I have lunch today with a buddy, Keegan Allen, star Pretty Little Liars, 5 million followers on Instagram. Mm-hmm. We go out to a dinner. He posts a photo of us. And 
we get a bunch of likes, I get a bunch of followers. I was like, hey, are you working with brands? He's like, it's a fucking pain in the ass, right? It's like really hard for me to do that. So like any millennial in 2013, I was like, I'm going to build an app for this, right? Mm -hmm. So what came about was I just built an app. I built an app called Reach. It was just supposed You're to be... You're still a, working at Disney? Um, no, no, no. I was, I was graduated at this okay. time. Okay. Um, and then basically this app was built to just communicate with an influencer and say, hey, you want to work with this brand? You just kind of talk back and forth with the app. I know you'll be able to create content just to make it easier. Yeah. From there, a hundred things started compounding. I thought this would just be a little side thing that I give to brands to use. And I could still kind of have, you know, whatever I was doing on the side. Yeah. But it just ended up turning into a really big business really quickly. And, you know. So people just started, like that reach app, people just started using that. And exactly. that became the business. That became the business. The app was the business. And that was the hook, right? So we go to a brand and say, hey, we have this app. In 2013 and 14, nobody had an app to do influencer marketing. So it's interesting you say because, like, just thinking about your path, right? Like, so you, you start out saying, like, you kind of always knew you were going to start a business. But then this thing, I don't want to say it fell, you fell into it, but, like, it wasn't like you said, okay, let me write my business plan and now I'm going to start this business and this is what it is. Yeah. Right? It was, and so, like, you know, we talk a lot about this idea of, like, preparation that just leads you to opportunity. I think the preparation was knowing I always wanted to start my own company. Mm -hmm. And I got to a point where I was at the time where it was kind of make or break for me, right? I was 25. Mm -hmm. I had nothing to lose. Yeah. I had a bullshit job that was paying me 50 grand a year mm -hmm. to, to create decks for people that I hated. Mm -hmm. um, and I was selling fucking garbage ad banners on, you know? Like stuff that I hate, right? Sure. I talk about in meetings that this is the most garbage advertising on earth. Yeah. Um, I was working for shitty people, um, and it was my chance. I was like, I had a chance to do it. Um, my parents gave me this super small loan. So you have three months to figure your shit out. If you can do it, great. If not, luckily in six weeks, we sold 100K in campaigns nice. out the gate. Yeah. Um, so that proved the model. It said, hey, I can make money off this. I'm making more money than I would have at my old job. So let's try it. So, but you didn't know that this was like, I mean, now sort of influencer marketing is a, it's an industry. Yeah. It's a, kind of a mini industry, right? Um, but at the time, like, that wasn't based on, like, you knew that that was going to be the thing. No, my bet was, my bet was that social media was a thing, mm. right? Like, social media was going to be a huge thing. Yeah. Um, and Instagram specifically was going to be massive. Yeah. Um, and I think it was a good bet. I mean, look at it now. It's 600 million users, and, sure. it, you know, they're about to drop some mid-roll ads today. There's some features on that. Is that right? right? Yeah. So, yeah. It's, I mean, there's some, yeah, that was the bet. We were the Instagram company at first. Yeah. How did, how has, um, so now, like, you've been doing it three years? About three years. Uh, yeah, yeah, three years almost. Two and a half, two and a half. And, um, you know, I know it's, it's, you know, it's grown a ton. It's, you know, it's been super successful. I'm curious, how has your personal perspective of social media changed having done this? Tremendously, yeah. to say the least. I think, you know, I've gone through this path um, probably in 2016 was the biggest growth year of my life. Um, and this path of self-awareness, of understanding who am I really as a person and where do I fall into this scheme of the world. And I think... Um, what I used to see social media as was this outlet or this place or this community or, or how people call it. Um, 
I more see it now as some sort of an extension of a different part of your being. Um, and it's a little different of, of a way to think about it because I think the person you end up being on social media is a little bit different than some of your day-to-day -day sometimes. It's, it's curated. It, it, it's a little bit more curated. It's a little bit more specific. And, and how you use that platform as an outlet is, is, is very different than the way you might be communicating individually at a dinner or looking into someone's mm -hmm. eyes and saying something. So I've kind of found it to be a little bit different in my path of self-awareness. And I, and I think what's, what's going to happen is it's going to evolve um, and it's going to change a lot, I think, in the, over the next few years. Mm. But I think the concept that I have always loved about social and what I think Instagram and Twitter created is the concept that I can follow an individual that I don't even know mm -hmm. to help enlighten my experience. I think that concept won't change. I think it will evolve, but I think that's one of the beautiful parts of social that, that people don't really discuss as much is just the ability that you follow someone right. is something very different that nothing else really has right now. Um, and I think that's the beauty of what the platform brings. Yeah, I, I think it's so, you know, what I find interesting is that like, it can mean so many different things to, to different people. You know what I mean? And I think like it's, I've, you know, I've seen the TED Talks that are like, the dangers of social and how you know and and i think that's real for some people like that you know they get totally caught up in what people think about them and the there's you know there's science about the the serotonin hit that happens when you get a like or you look you know like all that stuff sure but that's true for some people or in certain circumstances and then there's other things that are true you know in in other ways um and, you know, I think it's um, it's just interesting to see how all that plays out. And, and it sounds like, you know, you're saying, like, you've been kind of thoughtful about what that's going to mean in your life. Very thoughtful. Very thoughtful. I mean, I, I use it for, for very specific things. You know, as a practitioner, right, yeah. I, I use it every single day. Sure. But what I'm posting on it and how I'm using it, to me is more about like kind of enlightening things, right? Like I use my Instagram stories now as just mm -hmm. like talking about interesting, cool things that I want to just share with with people that are friends with me, right? So right. like Alexa just released this new thing of daily affirmation. So mm -hmm. I say every morning, Alexa, what's my daily affirmation? And Alexa tells me what my daily affirmation is. That's really cool. That's exciting. That's something you can wake up to. So I tell people on Instagram stories, hey, that's something I think I share. And then I get a bunch of messages. Oh, my God, that's amazing. That's really enlightening. That's really fun. Yeah. That's really what I've been using it for mostly. Um, what about like, so the, you know, your business is putting influencers together with brands, right? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of your, um, so now all of a sudden you're connected to a ton of, to a ton of influencers. Yeah. Right. And so what are those, what have you learned from them about, about social it's it's very interesting because i think the the magic is really around value mm. right the 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 thing that i'm seeing consistently is all these influencers are what they're creating is a value proposition for their audience and it's all done in very different ways some are super funny so you're giving them your attention that currency of attention because yeah. it's making you laugh and feel better some are really thoughtful, right? So people like Jason Silva that are giving these enlightening talks and you're able to share that with your friends, you seem smarter because you shared that. So Absolutely. that's the value attention that you're bringing. Yeah. So I think what we've found is that what these influencers teach me more than anything is that they've created a new value proposition for people that has never been kind of achieved before. 
um, either they look great, right? So they, they're, they're eye candy, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Or they have all these different things. But at the end, it's that they're, they're trading attention for value. Yeah. That's cool. I'll say, like, you know, uh, I was surprised. We did something together for uh, Chelsea football. Yeah. Right? And so, you know, they're a client of ours, and, and you, you brought us some influencers to come to, to a soccer game. And, you know, and I was there with um, Julia Kelly, yeah. who's one of the influencers that you work with. And, like, you know, she's super hot, young chick. I know she has a ton of followers and whatever. And um, th- so the interesting thing is, like, I'm standing there with her at this game, and this young girl walks up to her and, like, wanted her autograph and wanted, and they end up talking for, like, 10, 15 minutes together. And having like what I don't I don't know what they were talking about, but like, you know, they had a real conversation or whatever. And, you know, I wouldn't expect, you know, I guess you would just assume that it's a bunch of like horny dudes following her. Yeah. Cause she's hot. You know what I mean? And I'm sure that's a lot of her following and whatever. But also like, you know, she had a real human connection with this other person that, you know, that didn't know that she was gonna be at the game, that just really was walking through the stadium and saw her yeah and recognized her and, and all that and i think that's that's a just uh, a culmination of the deep connection these individuals have with their audiences right i think the yeah. difference between a traditional celebrity and these digital influencers is that they have grown up their audiences is everything to them whereas i think in the other realm of traditional celebrity an audience was a derivative of their work sure um, so there's a little bit of a disparity and difference between a digital social celebrity mm-hmm. and a traditional celebrity, and that love is for their audience is just 10, 20-fold. How do you see that those things, like, converging, or, or, or is there, or, like, is that going to, um, is there stuff they can, those two groups can learn from each other? Absolutely. I think, I think there's, a, there's a melding of, of mastery of audience and mastery of your talent. Um, I think that I think traditional celebrities are trying to figure out social media right now. You hear it all the time. Sure. They're like, hey, how do we grasp our audience? How do we understand who they are? How do we communicate to them more? Some right. celebrities have made a seamless transition, but some are still trying to figure out, right? Some of the biggest stars in the world have the smallest social media accounts because they're either not active or they're not communicating with who their audience is. Right. Or they, hired, they just hire agencies to run their stuff. Yeah, it's, it's like, totally hey, impersonal. It's not real, right? Who's done a good job of that? I think Kevin Hart's done a great job of that. Okay. I, I got to give the guy credit. He's done an incredible job of uh, building his brand on social. Yeah. Um, and then, and because I would see him as a traditional celebrity that built that kind of a social thing. Totally. Um, who else would be great? Arnold Schwarzenegger. Have you really? seen this guy? He's, no. he's pretty good on Instagram. I think he's, he's pretty active. He's pretty funny. I think he communicates to his audience very direct. I'm sure he's being coached. Constantly, I mean, if a seventy-year-old can do it, like, yeah. what excuse? I, I think I think he's doing a pretty. Now he good does job. have a lot of time and money on his hands. Yeah, he does. I think he's. I think he's been doing a good job. Yeah. Uh, of Interesting. That. That's the trip. Yo, if you're enjoying this interview, which I hope you are, uh, go back to the archives. Check out our interview with Allie from ASMR Requests. She's a real life. YouTube influencer, and she's going to tell us all about how her hustle goes. Um, so if you're feeling the influencer thing with Justin, go back and check out Allie. But right now, let's hear the rest of Justin Resvan. 
So, um, how have you, uh, you know, you weren't, you weren't, let's assume you weren't expecting kind of, uh, your company to grow as quickly as it did. So how, how have, what have you changed in response to that? I think the concept of success and the concept of money has changed a lot for me in the last mm. couple of years. Um, you know, I was always so hungry um, to go after just the dollar, the dollar, the dollar, sales, this, this, and that, kind of missing the piece of, of me. And I think this journey of self-awareness has, has really opened my eyes to what my father always told me, which is like money is just a tool mm -hmm. in everything that you're doing. It's not the thing that you need to strive for. Mm -hmm. um, so I've changed tremendously of just being way more self-aware of like who am I as an individual and like what is my core purpose? Um, and I see that with my team too. Like, you know, I was, my CEO-ness of like 2013, 14, and 15, and even half of 16, I was a fucking asshole. I was a piece of shit boss. I was really bad to my employees and I, and I didn't respect them as much as I do now. And that's because I really wasn't self-aware. I thought people should work for you and they should work hard and they should do that. And they should have weekends off. It was like, that was the concept that I had in my head and mm -hmm. I didn't have a real purpose beyond that. What's changed, I think, in this time of advancing, going through an acquisition, having like kind of mentors like David Jones in my life, just really looking at, well, you know, the purpose of what you're here for is a lot more impactful than how well your PL is doing and how your business is like, what is that purpose? And your PL will derive afterwards what your purpose happens to be. If you have a good, strong purpose in building a great business, it's probably going to be pretty profitable. So it's hard in that scenario to say kind of what if, right? But is it possible that the reason you've been as successful as you are is because you approach things a certain way in the past? Right. Is it, so was it necessary to, to be an asshole in order to get to this point? And is there, is it actually a, a danger of losing that as you shift your approach? I think, I think at the time it was necessary. Okay. I think I did what I had to do to get where I needed to be. I think now I'm not saying I've lost all of it. Mm -hmm. I've just known how to channel it properly. I'm, I'm still as hungry as ever. I'm still as, I mean, I'm working, actually, I'm working even more hours than I think I did previously, but I'm working a little bit smarter uh, just because I'm a little bit more aware of what I should focus on, what should I not focus on, what should I do, what should I not do, and I have way more support and more and more tools in my, in my, in my arsenal. What I have to, like, caveat is, like, I didn't have anything at the beginning of this business. Sure. I had no investors. Yeah. I had no real advisors. We'd have breakfast sometimes to catch up and see mm -hmm. what's going on, but in general... I didn't know anybody. I had nothing. Right. I only had myself to figure out how the fuck I'm going to do this whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, now, I have a ton of resources that I can pull from. I have an amazing company. I have an amazing team. I have amazing staff. So I get to kind of change and kind of use and harp that. So I think, yeah, I, I think I needed to be a little bit of that person back in the day. Um, maybe I could have been a little bit less, pulled back a little bit, but... I've grown from it. I've learned from it. And the people that have stuck by me have seen the change and the growth and, and, and building to the human I am today. So I'm happy about um, growing from it because mm -hmm. I learned from it a lot. Mm -hmm. um, what, um, I don't know that, you know, that's an interesting one because I think like, 
you know, in hindsight, everything makes sense, right? Like, it's easy to see our mistakes after we've survived them yeah, and all that stuff. But I think, you know, when you're in it, like, I mean, I, you know, sometimes I wonder, like, because I'm not, you know, maybe James will disagree, but, you know, I'm not that, I'm not an asshole boss, right? Like, and, you know, and I can see in certain circumstances where that served me and other certain others where it's probably hurt me, right? And maybe I should have been a, a little bit more of an asshole or whatever. But, you know, again, when you're in it, you don't see those things. You you're just blinded. Kinda, yeah, you just kind of do you, right? And and things happen the way they happen. And then afterwards, you have an opportunity to go look back and and whatever. So I guess I wonder, you know, you talk about, you know, having more tools now to work with. Like, what are some of those tools? And how do you, how do you then plot your course going forward so i think one of the the big tools um is a little bit of financial comfort mm -hmm. is the first kind of i think core tool that helps me like kind of build all the other things um i'm not as worried about how i'm gonna pay for rent anymore after sure. this you know yeah. blessing of an acquisition that i had so that's yeah. probably the first tool that's been that helps me get through everything because i'm not worried about that kind of stuff right mm -hmm. now um, the second tool is just respecting my team and what they've brought to the table um, and using them um, and their skill sets to build whatever this organization is trying to do and then strive for what it's trying to do. Sure. Um, the next tool is probably respect, right? I think the respect that I have for myself um, and the respect that I have for everyone around me has tremendously increased. I mean, I was at a point, I mean, you knew that I was like, I was, I was not taking care of myself for mm -hmm. a long time. I mean, I was massively overweight um my my liver was you know having problems i couldn't process like I, there's just yeah. all this stuff happening yeah. and i wasn't taking care of myself i wasn't building you know this the, the machine that i'm trying to strive for so i think those three things have been the core that mm. have helped kind of build this uh you know where i am today and then trying to build up to the hopeful leader that i'll continue to be over the next few years yeah but those i think are the core tools of of of, of what i've seen so thinking about it that way and and obviously you know having gone through this experience what have you seen that separates companies that have the kind of success that you've had from you know all your friends or or classmates in theory who started businesses that didn't go that way i think i think the concept is important right you have to do something that people want to buy Mm -hmm. um, not something that you just feel is a good idea. I think it's that has to be one of the core aspects of being successful. I think, uh, you know, I say this a lot, but being relentless about mm -hmm. your product and what that is. I mean, I, for two full years, I was working, I think, 100 hours. I'm not even kidding. I mean, I was in the office every single day. I was up, you know, our development team is in India, so, you know, by the time everyone leaves the office here, they're waking up and I'm working with them on building the platform. So, I mean, yeah. I was working huge hour days. And I think, I, I don't want to say that about maybe some friends that are building companies that are not as successful, but I don't know if a lot of people are all in like that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not because they don't want to be, it's just maybe their circumstances doesn't allow for it, right? Maybe yeah. they have a family. Sure. Maybe they have other aspects that have to, they have to take care of that doesn't allow them to be all in. Single guy. I was by myself right. and I only had one option, right? I had no girl, like there's nothing mm -hmm. holding me back from crushing it. Mm -hmm. So that's all I focused on was just that in my life. And I suffered, I suffered friendships. 
I suffered relationships. I suffered things with my family. I mean, I suffered for a result of it. Yeah. Um, but now I'm building it back, right? I'm, I'm kind of taking it back. Um, some aspects I regret, but probably not most of them. So we have a thing that comes up on this show where um, some of our guests, you know, are kind of this laser focused, kind of what you're talking about. And then some are like, they have like five careers going on, right? And, and uh, for my perspective, I can't see that one is better than the other. I think like there are advantages and disadvantages to either one. Um, but I don't know if you see that. Do you see, <clears throat> can you think of examples on the opposite side where, where that's worked really well? People that you look up to or whatever. Who, when I say five careers, right? Like, so, um, uh, you know, someone's an author and they have a, you know, business and they DJ and they, like, you know, they have these different things and they may kind of feed each other. I think there's something to be said about focus. Yeah. And I think that when we when you look at someone that might have multi-disciplines, I almost bet that probably only one of them actually provides 80% of whatever they're doing. Right. Um, I, I think, maybe I'm wrong, but no, I, I think, think, I, right. I, I think that it, it it's very hard for a human being to be really good at many, many things different things it's just our brain actually doesn't even work that way if you look at like multitasking doesn't mm -hmm. actually exist right. right like if you look at the research yes. it's just like there's no such thing as multitasking totally just finish agree. your job and move on yep. um so that's kind of my instinct on what what that that is and you know i i prefer to go all in um um there's this concept of uh width versus depth mm -hmm. um a lot of people kind of live this personality of, of width i want a lot of friends Mm -hmm. I want a lot of this, I want a lot of that, um, but people aren't getting deep. Um, I prefer depth, right? Mm -hmm. I prefer depth with friendships. I prefer depth with business. I prefer depth with clients, right? Like I want to talk to a client and figure out like, well, what is your real problem? I'm not, I don't want to, okay. I could spend 20 minutes with you mm -hmm. and get maybe this much, but what if I spend an hour with you and get this much? Mm -hmm. um, so I'm a guy that prefers depth over width. What about the influencers that you work with? How how is that relationship changing? Um, and like, do those, as you've gotten to know know some of those people, like, are they coming to you for advice? I don't. I mean, yes and no, but I think they're mostly coming to my team for 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 advice more than Fair anything. Because I've yeah. actually, you know, it's interesting being a CEO of an influencer marketing business. I don't spend that much time with influencers. And that's just been a right. choice, uh, yeah. which I think um, I just decided that my focus would be on the brand side um, versus the influencer side. I have great team members that focus on that piece. Right. Um, so actually, no, I don't think a lot of people come come to me. I, I just I don't get a lot of kind of inbound. Some people know of me, but they mm -hmm. don't really know me. They know that I run this company, but right. uh, I'm not actually, which is interesting because a lot of CEOs in the space are like, they become really popular. They become these superstars. Right. I never wanted that. I never wanted to be like the guy that was with them every night at, mm -hmm. at this new club or like taking photos with them. And because mm -hmm. that's you know some some people that run influencer companies do that. It's just down to what you're in it for. Right? I'm I I was always in it um, for the brands yeah. to be honest, and and because I always understood that um, we were solving their problems uh, more than anything. So so let's ask that question from the brand side. Then how is 
how's the relationship changing since you started to now with brands and influencers and what are you know what's the what's the what do you see brands doing wrong that you know you you counsel them on i think the the concept of how you approach buying and working with influencers is one of the core components that we're trying to help facilitate. So the data-driven side of why you work with a potential digital creator versus the vanity reason why you work with a potential uh, particular digital creator. Okay. Um, And I think that's one of the biggest drive points. I just had a call today with a client, and that was one of the biggest caveats. Is like, you are teaching us how to actually do this that matters for business results at the mm-hmm. end, right? So either it's impression-based, it's engagement-based, it's performance-based, right? I'm working with this person because they're actually driving business results versus the vanity of whoever they are, or the vanity of their name or their vanity of their brand. That's kind of one of the biggest drive points that we're trying to go for. The other side is how does technology help you do this better, mm-hmm. right? Because there's a million ways to skin a cat, right? As my dad always says, a million ways to skin a cat. Um, that's probably a bad thing to say, but like, I don't know. That's an analogy that he always, very, I don't think that's very PC. That's not no PC, but whatever. There's, there's a hundred ways. PETA, sorry, PETA. I'm I'm a vegetarian though. So I, you don't need cat. I don't need cat. No cat for me. (laughs) Um, James, order up some fried cat. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the, the biggest thing is how do you use tools to help do this better? Right. Cause Influencer marketing is kind of scary for brands. It's like, I'm going to trust this person to talk about my brand and then talk to their audience in this specific way. If I'm working with 30 people, right, and 30 of them are producing 10, 20 pieces of content, you're talking about a 1,000 photos and videos. Mm -hmm. How do you manage thousands of photos and videos? These brands are used to creating one commercial and spending $100 million putting it on bullshit television for everyone to see. Yeah. That's not how this world works. It's much harder to approve all this content, all these people. Sure. How do tools help you do that? Yeah. How do dashboards help you to do that? You know, we got this thing coming out with Alexa soon, right? Okay. Where we're basically going to say, hey, Alexa, what's the analytics on my campaign? And she fires off the analytics on their campaign. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Cool for them because they're just sitting in their office like, I don't have to go to this dashboard now. I can just say it out loud right Alexa's amazing but I ordered my uber this morning on Alexa game oh, yeah. fucking changing yeah so I mean I think you know it's interesting you talk about that like you know as a student of marketing like you see a lot of celebrity endorsement stuff and it just from the outside just looks really stupid yeah. but you kind of can get how it happens yeah of course right like hey you know if someone you know if I grew up a fan of a of a artist or, or, you know, particular celebrity, right? And now there's an opportunity to work with them. And, you know, and I have this feeling that that person resonates not just with me, but with everyone else. And you see them winning Oscars and, you know, all that stuff. Like, there's just this very, like, common sense. It's just common sense why that works, right? And, you know, especially people making these marketing decisions for the most part are, they didn't grow up in the age of technology, right? They're older. Or they they grew up in very traditional marketing settings. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, paying attention to Q scores and Nielsen ratings and all that shit. And then, uh, you know, now they're asked to spend money on a bunch of people they never heard of whose appeal they don't quite get. <coughs> um, and again, you know, I think, if, if you're on the outside of that, 
and you see 10 different Instagram influencers, there's no way you know which one. They, they basically all look the same. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and so I think it is a scary proposition for brands to have to kind of navigate that. And as you said, like even the amount of content and the whole process is so different for them. Um, I don't know what the question is, but, but I get what you're saying, right? That providing them tools that make that feel more like what they're used to. Yeah. Make it, make it, make it media driven advertising, right? Yeah. Not make it this, this touchy feely kind of thing because, um, that's what we're trying to strive for. And I think the new evolution of where we're going with bots is now to prove to them that we're driving sales, right? That's, that's, that's yeah. the biggest thing that so, we're kind of so moving talk, towards. So let's talk about the bot thing. I think, um, because, you know, it, back to what we spoke about earlier, which is social giving you the opportunity to have at least what feels like a real human connection with another human being who you never met. Right. In a lot of cases. Um, so how like think about bots in that context and what, what does that mean? So what we're trying to attempt to do with this bot platform is to scale individualized conversations. Okay. So influencers, unfortunately, <clears throat> don't have the ability to comment back and say to all their followers, thank you so much, you're awesome. Of course. Provide them value. But what a bot does is create that experience. Essentially. Sure. So, but our, it's not, I mean, you make it sound like it's like an autoresponder, like, a, like, you know, like you get on email. No, no, but no. But it's no, not really it's not, that. It's not. No, no, no. Right. It's, it's a dialogue. It's a dialogue device that, like, someone is deciding to opt in to talk to this version of this person. And the consumer knows that? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, like, the one that we just released um, for CoverGirl. Yeah. Um, it's called Kalani Bot. It's for a girl named Kalani. She was on Dance Moms, big, big superstar. Okay. And we've driven and created her digital personality with this bot. And it's basically leading to this conversation about how she creates her favorite makeup look with CoverGirl, right? Okay. But it's her reactions and her comments back are through GIFs and yeah. through emojis and through memes. And all the things that, like how she would normally talk to her friends, brought into a digital experience. Right. And thousands of people are engaging to to have that dialogue with their favorite person. Um, I do think that that's the way brands will enter the the bot world, right? Because mm -hmm. fundamentally, like as a person and as a marketer, I don't believe you're gonna go follow the shell bot, right? Like the shell gas station bot. Maybe you will. Maybe you won't. But what I believe you'll do is you might follow the Schumacher bot sponsored by Shell. Sure. I don't know. Are they, are they together? I don't know if that's his racing If sponsor. not, we'll, we'll put them together. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's a racing sponsor for right. Schumacher. But that's the way I would approach it, right, as a brand, yeah. to say, hey, let's get this person. Because to me, bots are not like a fad thing. Like there was websites, mm -hmm. there was apps, and in 2017, there are bots. That's the way it works. E-commerce websites will convert to bots in the next three to five years. 100%. That's sure. what I bet all in. Yeah. That's how you're going to be buying stuff. No, I, I believe that. I, but, but I think, you know, there's, you know, I just read um, Eating the Dinosaur, Chuck, Chuck Klosterman. I'm going to add it to the list. It's great. He's a, so he's a music critic and uh, um, I don't know what the hell else he does. But, he, you know, he writes books. And uh, 
he's got this chapter in there about this idea of authenticity and this idea that artists, specifically musicians, need to be like that they they need to they need to be authentic. They need to not pretend to be something they're not, right? Um, and you know, he kind of makes the argument that that that's all bullshit. That people don't want authenticity. People want lies that feel real. And that lies sounds negative, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But they want stories. Even if you think about Seth Godin, um, all marketers are liars. Yeah. Right. It right. It's that they want make believe that feels like real life. And you know, and I think like if you think back, so bring it back to what we're talking about, right? Like if I have a problem with Shell, I'm gonna call them. And some and a real person's gonna answer. Now we all got upset in the '90s when they started putting in those automated menu systems yep. to try to direct you to the right place, and you end up spending five five minutes navigating that. And they, you know, then you end up having to give the guy your uh, social security number, even though you just gave it, you just typed it in, and like that whole thing. <clears throat> because ultimately, the belief was ultimately what we want is to connect with a real human that can help solve our problem. But what we actually want is just a solution to the problem. Exactly. And um, making it feel human is probably good enough. Yeah. And that's, that's the reason we use AI to do it. Right. We're not, like, the, the difference, and I think the push in our platform and the way we're trying to approach the technology is not, like, if this, then that built, right? Like, if you say this, then this is what responds back. Sure. It's how do you build CNLP, conversational language natural language processing to respond it's just it's another version of nlp which is natural language processing it's how a computer reads how you type okay basically how do you use those inputs to derive your outputs mm -hmm. how does what that person says to you define what you respond back that's the ai side of it right i think that's the future of how we're all this stuff is going to be driven is computers are getting pretty fucking smart yeah they're getting a lot smarter sure. than we think uh, and they're learning Right, <laughs> like they're, they're actually growing and learning. Alexa gets smarter as more you talk to it. Right. Like, so, so use the analogy of uh, you know Uber is gonna gonna introduce self driving cars. Yep. Which in theory is going to put its drivers out of business. Yep. We'll see. You know how long that takes. I think we'll get there, right? But that might it might take a while before the government's comfortable letting there be a car with no driver. Yeah. Um. But long term, that's probably where it's going, right? Of course. So explain to me, like, are you putting your influencers out of business with these bots? That's a really interesting question. Uh, I think no, because we haven't got to the place with AI that AI is actually generating content. Mm -hmm. So maybe one day that's going to happen, probably right. actually, where there'll be actual bots that are influencers. So like her. Like her, right? Right. Um, probably maybe get to that place eventually but no because there's still a level of we're building this as a derivative of a consistent personality we're mm -hmm. not building a personality as a consistent derivative of another thing so right. i would say in the next few years we're not putting them out of business no um we still need their content their creativity they're building their brands this is actually for us our approach to our influences this is helping them talk to their audience consistently i mean when we released the bot what i was more amazed of was the comments that we saw on the actual feed mm -hmm. we're like thank you 
so much for creating a version of Klein that I could talk to all the time. Yeah. That's cool. It's cool. It works. Or And it's still working. That's the thing. It's like we turned it on a month and a half ago, and it's just running, and it's just itself, and there's still people right. talking to it. We're at uh, almost <clears throat> 600,000 unique messages through this thing without a single person ever saying a word. So, you know, back to what I was saying about that book, like what, what is So how does that... How does seeing that change your perception, your understanding of authenticity? What is authenticity, though? Like, what what is defined as authenticity? I mean, but the question I, mean, I ask myself is, yeah. what is actually authentic yeah. in our world today? Right. Is it authentic because it was created by another human to help drive that? Is it authentic because we had an engineer develop a piece of code that was smart enough to interpret a person's text and respond back, mm -hmm. what is defined as authentic and not authentic anymore, right? I think we often in the brand world, we call, you know, when a brand gets involved with an influencer, it's not authentic. Mm -hmm. It's not real. Um, that's probably true. But what if it's still driven by the influencer's personality? What about they still have some hints built in that? Another human decided that to happen, right? Mm -hmm. That person that works at the brand is not a not human. They're still a human being. Some um, of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, no, I, I get but, it. But, but I think the question is, like, what do we define as authentic and not, not authentic? And I think we have to always look at what is the output from the audience. Does the audience define it as not authentic? If they're happy, aren't you as authentic as you need to be? Yeah. Kind of comes back to the same point you were making earlier. It needs to feel real. Yeah. Or it, need, it, it needs to feel right. Yeah. Right? I, I think that's the, that's the deal, you know, with music. So, I, you know, I have, like... Um, you know, I grew up in a certain way that, you know, we expected rappers to be telling us the literal truth about their lives. And we got mad as a community when we found out that they were making up stories. But their job is to make up stories. Yeah. Right? And, and but, you know, at that time in culture, they had to sell it as if it were real, literal, right? And now they don't have to do that. And some of us are mad about that, right? Yeah. But, but, you know, it's, I think we just have this very, sort of interesting but hypocritical relationship with this idea of what's real and what's authentic. But isn't that why, like, people follow these stars sometimes, right? Like, they live these extravagant lives where they travel and they're on the beach and they're beautiful and they're all these other things. Um, isn't that why yeah. that other aspect happens as well? I think sure. some of those aspects are, like, we, we wish we had those experiences. We yeah. strive for it. That's yeah, tone and level is because I wish I was in that. I like that because I wish that was me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm -hmm. But that's the nature of being human. Yeah. That's the nature of our consciousness in most ways. All right, let's get back to you. Uh, what decision has had the biggest impact on your career? Believing in myself was the biggest impact that I had on my career. Was, was there was, a moment? Um... I think there was a moment where I said, my future will only be defined by me, mm. um, success or failure. I cannot blame anyone fucking else. I can't say that it was because of my parents or because of my friends or because I didn't have support or because of all the fucking bullshit people make up about why their lives suck. I think all that was released, and I said it's up to me to figure out what the fuck I want to do. Yeah. Um, 
that was probably the biggest eye-opening moment that I had. And I had to just cut all the bullshit and stop complaining and just just work at it. Um, another big realization was, you know, I used to, early on in starting the company, I would complain sometimes to either my family or my dad or my friends, like, fuck, I'm working so much, I'm so tired. And then, you know, my dad, being the enlightened entrepreneur that he is, he's like, that's what you fucking and, want. Yeah. And what? Yeah. That's what you want. You want to make money? Yeah. That's what you have to do. Yeah. You can't, you, like, if you want to live a comfortable, non-existent life, go work a bullshit job, right? Go do that. Mm -hmm. But if you want this kind of lifestyle, this is what happens. That was another moment where I just, like, I just stopped fucking complaining about stuff, right? I just, yeah. like, those two aspects, I think, that I realized that it's all on me. No one's going to help me. No one's going to help you do this. No one's going to help you finish. And then kind of stop complaining. I yeah. mean, those are the two things that were kind of huge in my life. So what's been the hardest day? Hardest day? Um, of last February, um, I had uh, a panic attack. Um, it was, um, I was a couple months, uh, I was in the middle of diligence for the acquisition. Um, and I got, I just had some tough, tough days from client emails, lost a couple big pieces of business. I was super overweight. I wasn't working out. And basically I was driving home um, in the middle of the day because I was like, I was at work. I couldn't function. I started crying in my car um, and I couldn't breathe. I like pulled over to the side. I went outside of the car. I was right here on Washington Boulevard. And I had a fucking panic attack. I went to the hospital mm. and I, um, my doctor's like, you're fucking stressed. What are you doing to yourself? You're 20, 27. Um, that was probably one of the scariest like moments for me. Um, and then what I did after that was I basically called my team. I was like, I need to take a week off. I went fucking down south for a week and just did nothing. Turned off all my phones, all this stuff digitally. A couple of friends came and visited me, but I was in a really bad place. And it was all because of like this work thing that, that happened. And I think after that, I just kind of realized I was like, this is not worth this kind of thing. You know, luckily a few weeks later, the sale went through and life kind of changed and for the yeah. better. But man, that was one of the hardest days of my life um, because I was, I, I lost control of myself. I mean, when you're uncontrollably crying for hours, it's really hard, man. It's like it's a really hard thing emotionally on you to to deal with that, sure. and, and and you're not breathing and all this other stuff is just like, and you you think that you can't get there, but like a little, just a little thing can tip it over. But I've kind of realized I never want to be in that place again. Mm. All right, I got a little lightning round. Sweet. Um, was that, was that the answer we were looking for? I don't know. A, that was a good one. That sounds like a pretty hard day. Yeah, it was a fucking hard day. It's a hard um, day. Uh, okay, let's go back to um, your 18. 18. And okay. give yourself one piece of advice. Man, okay, so this is this is huge. So I've, I've gone to this thing where I, I read this in a book, and I think one of these guys, some of the, one of this actor did this in a... In a in a uh, in a speech at the Oscars, which I found out, which was like, "Who's your hero? My hero is someone I want to be in ten years." Mm. Right. So it's funny because I I think about myself. Eighteen was exactly ten years ago yeah. for me. Um, I think the piece of advice was um, trust yourself mm. more than anything. Trust your gut more than anything because that's going to be the right decision that you're making. Because I've started to do that more and more and more in my life, and my gut decisions end up always driving me to the most successful place that I need to be. Nice. So what's something you used to believe and then decided you'd been wrong? Mm. 
that other people can affect my actual outcome in my own life. Great. Is there a talent you always wish you had more of? Um, I wish I was a better writer. Like, you, what, what my my emails are like my oh, emails are okay. just, just terrible. I can't even spell or write. I was I was a better writer. I think mm. I'm trying to read more to help with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I wish I was a better writer. If you were going to choose another career, totally, totally separate from from this, what would you do? Man, probably a DJ. Okay, I'd probably be a DJ. Um, so if I worked. Uh, uh, the amplifier is on your team. What would I hear? What's something I would hear you say over and over? Be relentless in everything that you do. I think one of the big strives that I want my team to do is, um, like, I think what one thing that I love is I'm so fucking proud of my work every day, mm. and I want my team to be proud of what they do every day because if they're proud of what they do, their clients are going to be super proud of what they do, and if you make your clients look good, you're the fucking king. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing that we've always done well is like we make our clients look really good. They get promotions. They get more money. Like those mm-hmm. are the things. Like be very proud of what you do and be relentless in every aspect of what you do in your life. Um, I say it a lot. It's the first thing you see when you walk in the office. Huge neon signs is be relentless. Nice. Um, it's kind of my little thing that I yeah I've tried to tell everyone. So that's the one thing I say a lot of. That's good. Um, do you collect stuff? What do you, What do you collect? Collect? Yeah. I don't know. Um, Sounds douchey, but watches. I guess I have a watch collection. That's okay, like, that's been my. Uh, I don't know if it's collect douchey, whatever but, you want to collect. Yeah, it's kind of it's been my thing. Timepieces are. I think it's the one. It's a one piece of jewelry a guy can can wear. Is there a favorite watch or one that is the most meaningful to you? Um. Yeah, my first one. Yeah. My my parents got me my first one. Nice. Um. Yeah, it was a Breguet. Um, it was my first piece when I like started the company. It was like a nice little thing. What's the last great book you read? Um, I, I'm I'm running in between a little bit of Ready Player One. Mm-hmm. I love, and I'm almost done with The Way of a Superior Man, which is really good. I like and that one. Yeah, it's like a little bit of kind of because I think it's it, it's a lot about relationships, but I think it's so much more about being a personal like your yeah. personal life, not just relationships. Um, I love I loved Ready Player One. Dark Matter was good for like fiction, also. I don't know it. Dark Matter is good. I mean, because yeah. it's like oh, I would read that one. Um, and a lot. I've been reading a lot lately. So those probably those top three right now. Nice. But I love Ready Player One because I think it's really going to happen. I think Mark Zuckerberg is that guy. I swear he's building the fucking... He's, he's building exactly to a T every aspect of that book. Okay. For sure. Nice. I haven't read it yet. It's on my list. Uh, what movie have you seen the most in your life? The Rock. Really? I've seen that over and over and over again. I don't know why. The, like uh, Kevin Costner? No, Nick Cage and oh, Nick Cage. Sean Connery. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Where they take over Alcatraz. I think I've seen that movie more than any other movie I in my life. I just found that. On, I just put that in my queue to watch with Justin. It's, it's, it's good. It's a good one. It's yeah. a good one. And he, I think he's like, he's got this line. Sean that's Connery's hilarious. got this line in the movie that's just so epic. He's like, he's like, he's like losers bitch, but winners go home and fuck the prom queen. <laughs> And I think this that line is just the epitome of that movie so nice. well. Nice. I love it. And uh, who's your favorite DJ? Right now, Bedouin. Okay. Is, is I'm, I'm on this. Uh, I saw them at Burning Man. Yeah. And these guys are incredible. 
um, and I just love their vibe, love their music out of Brooklyn. Mm. Uh, these two guys, and um, you know, shout out to them. They're they're an incredible duo right now, and they're blowing up. Nice. And then lastly, how does everybody find you online? Um, just Justin Rezvani on all channels. Okay. Uh, just my first name, J U S T I N R E Z V A N I. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and then I'm not really fucking with Snapchat that much right now. We're going to look then, for those daily affirmations. Yeah. And then, that, oh, Instagram stories. Okay. That's where I play a lot. I, I love Instagram stories. And then um, Justin at the Amplify, you want to reach me for work. Awesome. Well, Thanks for doing this, man. This is Buddy, great this stories. Is, this I is great. I, I love time with you as always. And so, it's amazing. So yeah. thank you for having me. It's good stuff, man. I learned a lot with you. It's cool. <laughs> cool, cool. That's it. That's all we got for you. Come back next week for more Rebel Radio. In the meantime, hit us on Twitter, Facebook. Check out our YouTube page. And uh, just tell everybody you meet about Rebel Radio.